Hello, and welcome to another episode of Through the Web, where we talk science, technology, and all things internet. And I'm Dagogo. And I'm Tosif. And today we've got a special Oppenheimer-themed episode. It's going to be all about J. Robert Oppenheimer. Robert J. Oppenheimer. <laughs> Oppenheimer J. Robert Downey Jr. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Should I just make an explosion sound here? Yes. We'll <laughs> edit that in. Um, yeah, so I'm sure maybe a lot of you have seen that I've, um, well, the Cold Fusion channel has uploaded a video on Robert Oppenheimer and also the, the movie is obviously out. So we're going to be taking a look at uh, both of those, those things, some comments that uh, you guys have made and also a special sh- section that I cut out of the original video. That's yeah, so exclusive to the podcast. So that's here. why all the Cold Fusion fans who've... Um, <laughs> You know, subscribe to this channel and the podcast uh, would have been looking forward to something like this. It's exclusive only for the podcast. Yes. But before we get into any of that, we also have a special guest in the house. Brayden, the producer. Oh, no. <laughs> Face cam reveal. First, well, technically people have seen you in the past because um, we made a post they? on the community oh, I, I guess. thing. Um, they've heard you sometimes, the OG listeners would have. But welcome to the show, Brayden, the it's, producer. It's good to be here. <laughs> well, I mean, you're the one running the show, really. So, uh, But it's going to be interesting because, again, um, this is going to be a different episode. If you're a Cold Fusion fan, if you're an Oppenheimer fan, and uh, I guess if you're a Brayden fan... Uh, then this episode's for you. Um, if you don't take either of those boxes, then maybe you might not enjoy it as much as the other ones because we're not going to cover the day-to-day news. Yeah. I mean, Twitter is now X. We, yeah. Really we haven't yeah. done much research on this. So yeah. yeah. It just yeah. happened like 30 minutes ago before <laughs> we pressed record. So. Yeah. Elon, can't get a break. But uh, yes, as I mentioned, you did make a video about Oppenheimer. Uh do you just want to walk through us to, first of all, why you decided to do this topic? Um, and also posting it around the same time, right before the film as well. Yeah. Let's maybe so, talk about so that. So the idea of the Oppenheimer video has been around for a while, like probably over a month, right? And it just wasn't executed quickly enough. So it ended up coming out, I think, two days before the film's release in the US. And... Um, at that time, Veritasium just did a video before. <laughs> so a lot of people were like, oh, you copied him. But it's like, it's impossible. I couldn't have done that whole thing in like, like a few hours. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, but anyway, um, so I think it, there's a lot of videos on him now. But um, yes, the timing was really just because I thought it was a, such a cool story. Uh, not so much if it was good or bad, but it just interesting. Like his character, he has some good parts and some terrible parts. And it's just the torment within him and just exploring that was just very interesting. So. Yeah, and I think also releasing it around the same time as the, the film, I think a lot of the comments were about that. Mm. That um, I think, first of all, the, the, the most interesting comments were when people said that um, they thought that they were, they were confused as to why Veritasium and you were posting at the same time. They had no idea about the movie. Mm. So but, lo- it, but if you see Veritasium's title... You should be clued on, right? I think um, perhaps that should have led them to think that maybe something's coming out. But mm. I think if it could also be that it deserves a movie kind of right. thing, okay. not necessarily yeah. it's that out. there is a movie, right? Yeah, um, and Brayden obviously was on the editing team for this one. We did give kind of very interesting timelines for you to follow, <laughs> but obviously it wasn't after very tasim thing because that would have really killed you, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. What was your experience in terms of editing it and or helping with the with the, with the edit? Like, did you know about Oppenheimer yeah. enough to be able to get into it, or was it? I I knew the basics of the story. I didn't know his personal story that much. So that was that was interesting. But I think obviously with the movie coming out, there was so much available about yeah. him at the time when I started doing that research. So it was, um, you know, it was it was a, a pretty smooth one to actually build but um yeah no i think the story is insane it's always wanted to see a movie about the the creation of the of the atom bomb so it was it was cool yeah for me i didn't know much about him other than the fact that he was the the father of atomic bomb that's the mm. um the title that goes by when when we're explaining oppenheimer so when nolan um when it was announced that nolan was going to make a film i had everything you know i had my whole uh, blinds turned on kind of thing like yeah. there's no way I'm going to because that's what I do when, about things that I watch uh, zero trailers zero updates uh, but then um, obviously we decided to make a video about it <laughs> and as part of the Cold Fusion team you know try trying to help with, with research and, and whatnot and one aspect was obviously we tried to make um, the visuals a bit more interesting uh, so there were a lot of comments about AI mm -hmm. uh, used in the in the video so first of all a lot of the comments were that you know, have you used AI in the video so Yes, <laughs> I think maybe eight images in total were, were AI generated. So these were parts of the story that obviously would have been impossible to portray yeah. otherwise. Um, so in the future, we will be putting disclaimers on whether we've used AI generated images or not. Um, because I think evidently some people couldn't tell. So some people thought the image of him with uh, Einstein was AI, but it wasn't. It was a real picture. And also there's another question about um, about a city, I think, where somebody thought that there was an AI-generated ah, video. Right, right. right. Um, I forget which comment it was. But again, I think, again, going back to the point where we were discussing about AI and, and whatnot, and now we're literally using it mm -hmm. in some of the, the videos for Cold Fusion, it really... The, the, the application of it and the reaction to the application of it has mm -hmm. been super interesting. Mm -hmm. um, so I think you're right. I think it's, it's important to mention um, AI, like which parts AI and which parts not. But the fact that we're having to even do that because it's hard for people yeah, to tell, it's, yeah. it's actually crazy. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think in terms of storytelling, this is it's a dream come true, like for these biograph biographical uh, types of videos but I guess the only issue is like getting the faces right mm. and actually making it look like the person you're talking about um, I guess we had some issues <laughs> getting that down down packed but um, in the end I think it worked out pretty nicely it's uh, I guess it's also interesting because if you had maybe chosen a different version of AI generated like art not the the very photorealistic or the mm. the movie style versions i don't think you would have gotten that many comments so if we turn yeah. into like a because initially you know how we spoke about maybe having the aesthetic a little bit having a bit of sketch right. um yeah version of it or mm -hmm. like a hand-drawn version of it i think that would have maybe had less of of uh, attracted less of questions uh, that's, that's probably true, but I think the photo realistic worked well. You think I, so? I, I do think so. Um, I well, my sister actually watched the video, yeah. and um, she was like, "Yeah, that was really cool." Like, she was generally she was kind of against AI art, but mm. she's like, "That's actually a good use." And plus, it. I think we also tried to animate parts of it as well, where mm. it wasn't just the the photorealistic mm -hmm. um, versions of it. Mm. Um, but obviously, Brittany, you saw it after. 
Um, did you think that that added to the video? Because you, you I think the, a lot of people who are listening and also kind of finding out how we make the videos, like obviously Degogo takes like 70-80% of the final decisions, but the rest 20-30, it's kind of like spread out across the team initially. Um, so I guess when you, you did a lot of the editing, but then um, the AI parts weren't there. So for you to see it after, uh, did that feel okay? Or was it more like, nights nah, kind of impeding on my... Yeah, well, I guess it was... Um, I, I thought it, like, really added. I thought I thought it was sick. At first, I was like, hang on, is that... Was that an AI for it? I, was like, I didn't see that anywhere when I was researching this. And then, and then yeah, obviously it was. But, um, no, I thought it was really good. Because that was the one thing that I was lacking was, like, like a way to emphasize certain parts of the, the video, like when the bomb was going off and all that stuff. And just besides showing just straight up footage over and over again, like, cause you, you are limited to what you can find from 1945 or whatever it was. So no, I thought it really, really added to it. Yeah. Cool. Have you guys watched any other videos other than the, I mean, obviously uh, the cold fusion, the very task. I mean, you would have watched, have you watched anything? No, else? I haven't seen any others. You? No. I was the Vox one. Oh, the secret city or whatever. Yeah, it yeah. was so well made. It, oh. it, I thought it was a piece of art. Really? For particularly two reasons. I, I don't think it was as informative. I guess it wasn't as documentary style mm-hmm. as um, a lot of the other channels, including Cold Fusion, because, you know, that's kind of like the style that, that you follow. Um, I think this is where Vox kind of drops some of these curveballs where it's not very documentary style, but still has some elements of it. Okay. What I loved about it is how... Um, profound it was in some ways and especially the use of aesthetics so if, if you see it when, when you see it you'll see they to highlight um, some of the elements in the map they had like a white map with black lines but the point that they wanted to focus were all red and it wasn't just like a clean red it was like a very distorted kind of red and halfway through the film once you've seen that aesthetic enough it starts hitting you that oh they're trying to remind you of Japan. And uh, when it okay. hits you, it's like, oh, wow. And they never explicitly mention it anywhere in the video that, oh, this is clearly that. But just the way that they were playing with the colors, eventually it hits you that, oh, like that's in the back of you. Like, yeah, we're telling the story, but don't forget about that kind of thing, right? And at, when you realize that, it hits you like a brick. I haven't watched many other versions, but the comments were right. There were so many Oppenheimer videos all releasing at the same time. Yeah, it's just... like the thing is, I wish we could have been like two days earlier. Veritasium ate our lunch. Yeah, it was, it was like he rode that first wave, and I was I was in the middle of like yeah doing some last minute changes, and because um, there was a lot of cool information I was finding out towards the end. Like there was some stuff I even cut out from the beginning. Like for example, there was this great quote from when he was a, a kid, mm. just to um, highlight how stuck up he was. So. Um, in, in primary school, Oppenheimer was like going around to kids saying like, oh, tell me a sentence in Greek and I can reply back to you in um, what was the language? In Sanskrit? No, no, no. Some other language. Um, oh, I can't remember now. But yeah, anyway, so like um, he was just trying to show how intelligent he was and mm. all the kids hated him for it. So that's oh. why he got bullied so much and then retreated into his, into his uh, physics world. Um, but yeah, like the, there was just, I don't know, he, he just seemed like... And very unlikable as a kid. There was another mm. example where, um, you know, he was like, oh, I want to um, read this, like, particularly rare book. Um, and then his dad is like, okay, and rushes off to, like, some rare um, store to, like, it's like a rare artifact, basically, the original leather-bound book he got for his son just straight away because he just wanted to read it. And it's like, 
you know, growing up with that, you can't really have a normal <laughs> childhood mm. versus everyone else. So um, that wasn't really his fault, but I think just, just some of the the aspects of his early life wasn't the, the greatest, I think. So um, I think when, when, as he grew and matured, you can kind of see that he, he settled down a bit. Um, and it was even said in the movie that, you know, he was emotionally immature. He, mm. he did say that line. I was like, yeah, that's, that's true. So that was him referencing his childhood So as an adult. So, um, yeah, I think it's, uh, yeah, it's just such an interesting character. To, to a lot of over. the comments were about him having ADHD. I don't yeah. know if you picked that up. Yeah, I saw uh, that. But I was surprised to see how many comments there was about, about that, mm. that I definitely had ADHD. So I don't know if you, if you think, like, would you say that? I didn't actually, I didn't read anything about it when I was editing it but i mean i guess some of it makes sense (laughs) yeah i think it's um the fact that he couldn't sit things through like so there were some more quotes that i cut out but basically some of his friends were saying that he loved to jump into the newest hottest areas of physics Mm. and he just wanted to be at the center of things so he would start working on a paper or something and then you get to a breakthrough and it'd be like, oh, no, that's, that's cool. Let me go over there. And then his friends were getting really annoyed at him just hopping around. So I think that's where the ADHD the question, yeah. thing that's came the from. the shiny ball syndrome kind of, kind of yes, thing. Yes, yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Uh, I guess before we jump into a few of the other things that you mentioned, um, the fact that there were so many videos coming out all at the same time, um, some people didn't have, had no idea that obviously the movie was out. So they thought a, a few questions were about that if you spoke to Brett to see him first <laughs> and then you planned all this thing together and a few other like do you guys like work in a group or something and it's like and everybody's talking covering the same topic because they had no idea about the movie uh but the other angle of that uh, phenomenon was how a lot of people thought that this was a marketing push by the studios and i'm it's thinking al- it's always some big conspiracy isn't it yes yeah, like we wish like christopher <laughs> nolan banging like Braden's door like oh Braden would be on it yeah christopher no- i'd sell out to christopher nolan <laughs> <laughs> i think we all would yeah. in, the, in some ways so that definitely wasn't like a marketing push but the reason why i guess so many people jump on it because obviously the seo favors um these titles you're likely to get more eyes on these videos and and some people might think, you know, like, why do you want to play that game? But I think f- this topic kind of made sense for Cold Fusion, right? Mm-hmm. And you said that this was one of the best videos you've you've made. So, mm-hmm. yeah, mean, like as in, I think just diving into it and I guess, I don't know, like uh, this was fun to do. <laughs> yeah. uh, but as I mentioned, you also cut out a lot of different parts. Do you want to maybe talk about yeah, them sure. before we talk about the movie? Um, so I, I cut out a section at the end that went over five fun facts about the Manhattan Project. Not not so much fun, but just five facts. Um, so I don't know if I have time to read over all of it, but um, basically I'll, I'll read all five and then you say which two you want to hear about. Okay. So one of them is the Nazi state hindered German progress on the atomic bomb. The second one is um, just about the British-Canadian atomic bomb program. The third one is just how big the Manhattan Project was. Um the fourth one is that it was infiltrated by the Soviets. And the fifth one is that the Doomsday Clock was actually born out of the Manhattan Project. I'm going to pick one, but I'll let Brian pick one as well. Okay. I think I find the, the Nazi hindering themselves to be the, the most interesting one. Okay, we'll do that. I'll do the Doomsday one, even though number three was quite interesting. Okay, sure. So, um, so number three was actually in the movie, if you remember. What was number three? <laughs> I know number three was interesting, but I forgot what number three was. Um, 
Oh, actually, sorry, sorry. Number four wasn't the movie. Number three was just the Manhattan Project was massive. The so- oh, right, Soviet right, right. one was number four. So. That's right. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll pick the Doomsday one because it's, uh, I know what the, the Doomsday Clock is about. Yep. So it'll be interesting sure. for me okay. to know. So um, basically on the Nazi state one, essentially the German, um, or I guess upper management of the country and Hitler and everything was so against the um, uh, the Jews and all the minorities that they discriminated against them so hard that many of the top scientists ended up leaving the country. So it turns out they pretty much pushed all of their talent out by being discriminatory so they didn't have enough to really fester the, the project. Um, and in addition, uh, Hitler didn't really believe in the bomb. He was kind of against nuclear warfare or biological weapons, surprisingly, and uh, so they didn't really give enough funding for it to happen anyway. So that's basically it. Mm. Um, and they actually began research first in April of 1939 before the Americans. So um, they were on track, but they just couldn't, couldn't get it done. Right. And the doomsday clock one. Uh, so let me try and summarise this. So um, there was a biophysicist by the name of Eugene Rabinwich, and he was in the Manhattan Project. And after 1945, he decided to co-found a bulletin to raise awareness on the effects of nuclear weapons and how they could be used and their effects on the uh, public and their far-reaching implications. And out of this bulletin came the doomsday clock in 1947. And it basically measures how close humanity is to destroying the world with man-made nuclear weapons. So um, the furthest the clock was away from midnight was in 1991. It was... uh, 17 minutes? Well, it actually doesn't say. I thought it was 17 minutes. I'm it not, was, right? I think so. Wow, nice. Well, well, let me, let me see if I can get the trivia question. The furthest time was 17 minutes in 1991. Let's go. Yeah, all right, nice, man. So uh, um, 10 and points. And the nearest is actually... No, not, don't. Okay, 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 that, okay, okay, okay sorry. So, so, yeah, 17 minutes away uh, in yeah. 1991. And obviously that was the fall of the Berlin Wall. Soviet Union and United States had uh, finished their Cold War. And the closest time is today. <laughs> today? <laughs> yes. No, as, 24th as in, July? No, no, no. As oh, in, as as in like, like since, the, the yes. current, the current period. <laughs> but um, it could be, yeah, today. Uh, so like 90 seconds to midnight is what we're at. So we've gone from time I was born, basically, 17 minutes to 90 seconds. So we've got to wow. got to get our game together, guys. Uh, make, sure, make sure that this Oppenheimer movie, all the world leaders watch, is like, maybe we shouldn't do that. That's just not, you know? <laughs> I guess uh, this is the perfect time for us to talk about the movie. All three of us watched uh, on... Uh, you watched it on opening day, didn't you? Yeah, I went opening night. Um, we watched it the day after. Uh, so this part will not be spoiler-free. So if you're listening in and if you're watching in, you have three seconds to get off and there's going to be spoilers. So this is your warning. We should have like bells going around <laughs> or something like that. Uh, just, yeah, Britain edited in. So, um, so you know how um, Oppenheimer ends up getting married to Hitler? That was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that was my favorite part uh, of the film, like um, how they ended up peace and the, the clock actually struck <laughs> 200 minutes. <laughs> wow. Um, okay. we'll, we'll, we'll start with Brayden yeah. first, actually, uh, because you're the one who first saw it. Um, what do you think of the movie? I... I really liked it. It was it was different for a Nolan film. It was it was actually probably even though it was probably one of his longest movies. I felt like it was like I, I was expecting slow burn, but it ended up being 
three hours it was just full like it mm. wasn't it didn't drag I didn't feel like there was anything that needed to be cut or it just kept going yeah. but um no it was it was interesting going in um because I saw it with two friends and I, I obviously had done all the research prior so I could keep up with who these characters were as they right. were coming in but watching like I remember a mate turning to me going who the hell is that and <laughs> I was like and I, you know and then after the movie I ended up going yeah I knew who all these people were and all that but you I feel like they fed you so much info at such a rapid rapid concession yeah. and succession and, and just didn't uh give you quite enough time to really yeah. understand who everyone was despite so, being three hours yeah yeah um, and not just that, but like a lot of the information that they were giving was accurate, but you wouldn't know what it was. For example, they were reference, referencing the super, but mm. if you did, hadn't researched and known that was the code name for the hydrogen bomb, you'd be like, what's that? Like, you know, just, just little things like that. And I, I agree, definitely. Like a lot of the things came thick and fast. And if you didn't know beforehand, you'd kind of be a bit lost at what's going on. Not you just kind sure. of have to go with it. But I agree. I agree too. I think it was... Um this is something that Nolan is known to do a little bit. Like he wants you to do a little bit of the homework. He wants you to be actively present. So even like with the previous films like Inception and Tenet, like I had to watch multiple times to understand. Like Tenet to this day, I have some questions. But for example, like Inception, I had to watch multiple times to understand what was going on. But anyway, um, continue. Yeah, no, I think it was... Uh, there was no hand-holding with that. Exactly. With movie. Yeah. It was just... It was an information dump and you were along for the ride. It, it didn't... It was different to a lot of his other films where he really likes to show and emphasize things. And in this, it was kind of just you're just watching these characters exist in the real world. Like they didn't overhype um, parts of it. it. There was the the gradual build to the bomb. I feel like that was done incredibly well. But it wasn't like you know, how like they dramatize moments in like movies that are based off reality. Where mm. it's just it was never quite that big or that sentence he said or that thing. Even the way he quoted. Um, the Sanskrit scripture, yeah. yeah. But yeah, there was. They didn't over hype or over dramatize things. It was it was very concise. It was very uh, yeah. It just came thick and fast, mm -hmm. so it was hard to keep up with. I think I will go see it again. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's a shame we don't have IMAX cinemas here. Yeah, dude. <laughs> it's the one like thing. I, I saw the map of the IMAX studios around the world. It's like everything's clustered on the top right of the top left of the map, and then there's one in Melbourne, the, like the very bottom right corner, and that's it. Like in the entire southern hemisphere, it's just one. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I just we had one. We used to have one in Perth, didn't we? I don't know if it was ever IMAX specifically. We've got all the knockoffs. Because the, the, the castle, <laughs> no, I think the, the castle one had. Was it? I think so. I think True. I watched Interstellar there. Because um, I don't because IMAX. Uh, I mean, there's different formats. So yes. you've got like 70 millimeter film was which is the true. Which is this was supposed to be for the Oppenheimer. The, yeah, you're supposed this to was film. Yeah. Did you, did you hear about how many issues they had uh, on release day with the film? Because the this reel was the longest it's they've ever done. Mm -hmm. Right. Like Nolan had to go to IMAX themselves and be like, "Can you give me a three hour roll?" And they were like. I think so, you know, and they yeah. had to, to. They ended up making their own film for this thing that had never been produced before. There was no black and white seventy millimeter film, so it was all created from scratch for this film. And the, I mean, the roll is eleven miles long, so it ended up being like well, I don't even know what to compare it to. Like it's bigger than that, way bigger than that table. Like it's huge. The rolls yeah. like this wide, and the way you feed it into an IMAX so. camera is, into an IMAX projector is quite complex, and because people that were back in those days when that was really like the, the best way to film none of those guys are around anymore so cinemas were flying people out to just to stay there for the week or two to, wow. to actually run the projector so they were having issues with audio sync being out and like there was one cinema um, that it just cut out 
like 40 minutes left they had to oh, stop no. the film and and um reset it all and so it's it was a, a really ambitious mm. yeah for an IMAX project right uh, what what did you like most about the the film i mean having done i guess the the research and obviously editing of the cold fusion video what was one thing that you felt was portrayed like really well and it's like yeah that made sense it's it's a hard one to to narrow down because I feel I feel like you need to see it a second time to like really really understand get your head yeah. around all the intricacies because it was an intricate film it was just so fast yeah. like even though it was three hours I think the I think the build up I think just the overall that that immense build up of what was actually happening mm-hmm. was done really well um, I, I, what did you guys think of the explosion like when the bomb went off. Oh, well, as in like the whole silence thing and... Well, did did it just feel like smaller than you were expecting? Because that well, was an actual explosion, by the way. It was, yeah. There's no CG. Right. Wow. Okay. That's why the makeup was so bad in the end when oh. they were older. I don't know if that yeah. stuck yeah, up to you as yeah, well. Because yeah, 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 yeah. he doesn't use any um, extra things to enhance yeah. right. the looks. Right. But, but I, yeah, so go on. Um, well, the actual explosion bit, yeah. Um I thought it was. I thought it was okay. I didn't think it. Like, I, I thought it was okay as well. But the silence part was. I thought beautiful. Mm-hmm. I, I loved it. Um, just the entire, like the tension of it. Of you know, just just waiting for it to the, the thing to hit you. Like yeah. I was waiting for when it hits. Yeah. Right. Because yeah, because yeah. obviously you know, uh, sound sound, yeah. sound travels uh, slower than than light. So you're waiting for it, waiting for it. And then when it hits, it was just beautiful. I thought it was amazing. I yeah I I I think the sound design was the best part of the film same by Man, far it was it incredible was, I mean it was stro- it suffered with the same issue that Tenet had at times where Could the audio the balance yeah he's got this weird documentary style of doing his audio where it's kind of just it's there and it's like yeah. it, it mixes in with everything a bit too much it's, I don't know it was why, the same thing with um, the Batman one as well with with Bane you couldn't hear what he was saying and. Also with Dunkirk as well. Maybe I should uh, sign up because yeah. people have trouble understanding what I say. So, <laughs> Nolan, if you're watching, I think the, I think watching so much footage from back then when all those explosions were done, right. I think the shots of that particular night were pretty close. Some shots were almost shot for shot. Like it almost looked like they had mm. enhanced some of the footage from back then. Um, but seeing the way those mushroom clouds used to appear like right. and and like how shocking the impact was i feel like it didn't give you and it obviously it didn't show hiroshima or yes. nagasaki mm-hmm. and i feel like which was probably a tasteful way of doing it i just felt like by the end you didn't quite get the full impact of what actually happened right like there was a lot of talk about um we're now in a different era like the world is different it'll never be the same mm-hmm now that we've done this, but I don't think we really quite got the full but understanding. Maybe that. that was kind of intentional. intentional. It, was maybe. Just, it was more about like the, the characters and the story and, and building this thing, but the actual, I guess, explosion and... The aftermath. Yeah, yeah. like the, the physicalness of it wasn't really... Because that would be, I guess, too much in your face for a movie. Because generally when you think, okay, if you were given the task to showcase what this film would be like. The first thing a lot of people would think, oh, let's show the, the aftermath <laughs> and you know, people crying and whatnot. And obviously that's such an important part of it. But I think um, this one was more so from the angle of Oppenheimer himself, which is why when he was making the speech... Yeah, um, the psychological issues. Yeah, the psychological impact. I thought yeah. that was a great way to, to showcase that um, because it was about... Sorry. Sorry, I just realized something. Um, 
I was going to tell you after the film, but I don't know if you noticed, but there was a scene where after the bomb had gone off, I think after the radio announcement, Oppenheimer stood outside and was smoking a cigarette, but it was exactly in front of that building in the same framing as what the thumbnail that we used is. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know if you noticed it. I didn't I notice it. Yeah. Well, what I, I really loved, though, was um, the shot that we did of... Um, of the eye, uh, the right. close-up of the right, eye, and right. the bomb was yeah. going off on the eye, and they had something very similar on the side. I was like, oh man, that's so close <laughs> to what we did. <laughs> like, you know, and just. But, but was it meant to be at night though? Like the the thing, the explosion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, I wish we had known this before because yeah. I would try to make it make it. Um, yeah, I, I didn't actually. Night. I didn't know that it was at night either. Right. So, yeah. Did you know it was at night? Yeah, and yeah. All the footage from the Trinity oh, test it. was at night. Oh, should have, should have been. Yeah. Like, but it's okay. It's Next, time. Next time. <laughs> Creative direction. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what were you, though? What, what did you think was done really well in terms of, like, you know, when you've seen it, even researched in depth, and then mm-hmm. seeing it play out pretty much around, like, two or three days yeah. apart um, from... I think the way that the, he brought life to these characters was quite impressive. All of them were quite distinctive. So, obviously... Oppenheimer was who he is, like very, very complex, very neutered man. But also like even Einstein, <laughs> like the, yeah. the, the way he came across was very, very interesting. I, fe- I, I felt like we always see this figure in, in silence, like it, we never hear him talk. But the way he brought him to life was like, was pretty cool. Um, I, I also think that the way the movie was structured was quite, quite well done in the fact that in the first half we got to see you know obviously from Oppenheimer's early early life to how the bomb came about um, all the trials and tribulations with that and then we kind of start seeing some of his communist uh, ties but Mm. then that really festers towards the end and then we get to see like really the consequences of that period but like done in in a totally separate way so it's all in black and white cutting Mm. in between them but then at the end kind of stayed with it so it's like a a separate section so um, I thought that distinction was was pretty good um, yeah, how about yourself? I, I thought the sound design was impeccable. It was mm. so well done. Um, the the music and the score as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it was done by Ludwig Göransson. Mm-hmm. Um, he did um, Black Panther before and a few other ones for Nolan as and, well. Tenet. And also Childish Gambino. I was going to say, <laughs> for the music uh, lovers, he did uh, Redbone and um, a few other Childish Gambino songs. So definitely a veteran in the industry. So it's also interesting to see how Nolan's working more with him and not so much with Hans Zimmer. Mm. Um, who has been historically worked with some of the, the greatest uh, movie scores of all times. So I thought the, the, that was still present there, despite not having someone he's known to work with. Um, other than that, I just the acting, man. I thought the, the performance of most individuals, just top-notch. I think um, it, like act, knowing how to act was, it's, it's such a... Um, you don't see good acting as, as that much out there anymore, mm. but just seeing like the the best people in the business doing the best versions of, of what they do was, was great. Also, very happy to see Josh Peck. Mm. <laughs> and if you guys grew up watching Drake and Josh, so I was like, oh, Josh Peck, he, he made it. Um, so that was, that, was, that was a fun kind of... Uh, and also yeah, Rami Malek. Yeah, it was pretty random. But yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was interesting. And, and apparently lots of these actors, they go head over heels to try and work for Nolan oh, of um, yeah. for like lower budget like even if they try to get into some of these Oscar nominations or for future Nolan work as well just the way Nolan approaches 
um, his craft is so unique in this day and age, like the, the whole 70 mil IMAX stuff or um, just not using, you know, CGI mm. in, in a lot of these, these films. And yeah, I think a lot of um, the, the true, I guess, pursuers of art and craft in this um, field, they, they love what they do. So yeah, I thought the film was definitely a close to 10 out of 10 for me mm -hmm. but then again i'm a bit biased because i'm an Nolan fan so um but i've seen a lot of comments saying your video was better than the film i haven't seen that you've seen any of the comments <laughs> no i haven't seen that comment oh yet, there's so but... many there's one there's like a few saying i right. enjoyed this more than i enjoyed the film so and it well was done, done before the film it was so. done before the film so, <laughs> so that's, uh that's that. nolan's been stealing from you <laughs> if you're sitting for veritasium <laughs> no i don't no. Um, yeah. So the, the thing with that was, uh, I guess the initial script was done and then it was, I think it was less than a day before we put it out. It was, I, I found this podcast from a museum yes. um, and it had all these details that I'd never heard anywhere else. And I was like, whoa, got to put that in. Oh, that's really cool. It's like, this adds so much. Like, so there was, um, you know, I went into different bits further and just kind of dug around. So that's why there was so much that I cut out because I was like, I can't put all this stuff. This It'd stuff be like in. a three-hour film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm glad that people think that. Um, I also did try, so like from your original edit, I tried a lot more spacing. Because I knew there was a lot more like information coming in, so like you know, I just let the music play or mm. let a moment sink in, so just people could absorb it better than just rushing through it. So I think I'll do more of that stuff as well. It's would be interesting to see some of the analytics um, as to drop offs and whatnot, right. because obviously in this hyper fast world where things just have to move very quickly between cuts, um, taking that decision is actually a bold one. But it do, um, for me, it doesn't make sense. Like, sorry, it doesn't makes sense to not do that mm. because if you think about it if you're trying to absorb information the human brain isn't an infinite sponge that can yes. we need a we need a break to process something so if there's a heavy part or there's like a lot of run-on sentences it's like you got to stop just catch the breath and then go again you can't just keep barging through like a half an hour video of just like a constant stream yeah. of sentence would not sit well people would just and the problem is if a person gets lost then they're gonna switch off because it's like oh, i don't know what's going on anymore mm. I mean, you never want that for educational right. content so. um just one quick note that i heard after apparently christopher nolan made every uh, one of the main characters watch explosions before they, they started filming um, or even like during some of the, the things. So they took them out to like a specific desert and made some of those explosions live for the actors to watch and absorb, even if they had nothing to do with mm. um, some of the stuff. And apparently, um, Killian Murphy, Cillian Murphy, Killian? I'm not sure. Yeah, Killian? Killian Murphy uh, was obviously there, but then uh, everybody was not in character. He had to be referred to as Robert the entire time. Mm. Um, even if they weren't filming, as long as he was on the set. And so these are the kind of, I guess, the method acting yes, stuff yes, yes. that they go into in, in details, which from an outside perspective feels a bit weird that, ah, uh, like it's supposed to be their job. But I guess that's how I want to take this stuff seriously. Yeah. Um, I guess if you're into the world of filmmaking and acting and whatnot. So yeah, it, just it, a quick uh, factoid. Yeah, I didn't know that. Um, but yeah, with, with the method acting stuff, there's a, a whole bunch of different theories of if that works or not. Um, some actors, what was, there's a famous example of someone who was playing the Joker. I can't remember. Heath Ledger. Heath, no, no, no. Jared no. Leto. Yeah, that's it. Jared oh, Leto. When he was playing the Joker, he would be 
24-7 method acting. So he would do like gross stuff and like, I can't remember if he sent like, he like uh, meat through the yeah. mail or something and all this like random stuff just because right. he wanted to stay in character all the time. That's the extreme. Because Heath Ledger did that as well. I mean, not those weird stuff, but he was trying to stay in character right. as well without, I guess... Impacting others. Yeah, so, yeah. No, he, it, like he, he, Jared Leto was just, um, but uh, and then there are others who just don't do it, and then there's some in between who like ten minutes before a scene, yeah, hype themselves yeah. up and then go. But yeah, so all very interesting stuff. Yeah. Um, cool. So uh, I guess we'll be interested to hear from others who have watched it uh, to get some of their thoughts. Obviously, ours version of the movie's response was a bit different because we dived really deep into Oppenheimer before we were watching the film. Uh, but if you had to score out of 10? For me, it's a, it's a solid 9. What would make up that I one? Think, I think for me, the, 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 some of the audio mixing definitely a few lines disappeared mm, mm. and like I feel like there was some of that would have been nice to to fully grasp I don't know if it's different in every cinema I I watched it quite a loud cinema so I thought it would give me enough dynamic range to hear it but it's just I, I missed I reckon at least 10% of the lines but um, that and yeah I, I, I think that's probably my, my only real gripe I, I really like the movie and I intend on seeing it again yeah. ASAP Okay. To go go? Um, probably 8.5. Okay, 1.5 yeah. missing. <laughs> so, um, like, it does, it's a great movie. There's yeah. nothing, nothing that stands out terribly. But I think some of the latter part with the whole communist, you know, um, backlash mm-hmm. against Oppenheimer, that could have been shortened a little bit or just finding out another way to do it so you don't miss much but it's a bit shorter. Mm-hmm. That's just a... Yeah, minor thing. But yeah. Um, I think I'm with Brayden. I'll probably give it a nine as well. Okay. Um, the one missing, I think maybe because it's not a movie for everybody, but it's been hyped up so much with the Barbie and whatnot. I think a lot of people will go in and try and watch it. Mm. And they're um, going to be blindsided. And they're going to be a bit disappointed. <laughs> it was like, you know, what's happening? Like, why is there black and white? And then why is this dude like, you know, like again, and, you know, Nolan's known to do that. Like, mm. again, with playing with time and the way he started. Like, have you watched Dunkirk? You've watched Dunkirk. That's the one movie. Is brilliant film. Love it. Love it. But then I have people who passionately hate the film. Right. Um, but that's only because the way he structures the the flow of the storytelling. Right. So yeah, I thought because it got so much tension, um, it'll probably be be hated on a little bit more than what it deserves. Um, but the one missing is only because that I don't think they've they've planned it for this kind of, I guess, reach. Uh, in but some I, I think it's good that it is as big as it is because yes. we need, we need like more movies that are educational. Well, it sounds weird, but that mm. are educational in some aspect because mm. this guy, he was one of the most famous people in the world in, you know, the 1940s and 50s. But to anyone of our generation, most people are like, hmm, who's yes. that? And it's like, it's good to know history and what happened so we don't repeat it. You know, and also just, it's just also just good, you know, for, for this to be out again in a way. Yeah. So, agreed. Um, well, I guess that's it for today's show. Um, just a bit of housekeeping or just updates, really. Uh, we will have a different kind of show again next week where we'll be doing the interview with Kaiwei Tang um, from Lightphone. So, that's going to go out next week for. You guys enjoy, for those who don't know, he uh, is the co-founder of Lightphone. Uh, Google made a video 
few months ago now about uh, dumb phones. Yeah. The, the rise the of dumb phones. Dumb phone revolution. Um, and you um, mentioned uh, Light Phone there for a bit and how it's played a part in some of this getting traction. So we got hold of the, the CEO and the co-founder. So it was an interesting chat. Um, we're going to post that next week. And also, Jogogo is going on vacation for a couple of weeks. Yes. So no new episodes after that for maybe a week or so mm-hmm. uh but i guess enjoy your time man thank you apparently um, going to random uh, places that he doesn't know about <laughs> yeah so um I've, I've booked half this trip the other half i'm just going to kind of see where i end up just just play so, around yeah yeah so. good stuff and um also a big round of applause for Braden's debut episode debut episode um <laughs> maybe we should uh you know do more uh i don't know movie reviews uh, maybe barbie next I don't know, who knows please please <laughs> we'll see often often barbie i mean it's barbie Heimer. Yeah, sorry Heimer, that's right um, well that's it from yeah no no cool um yeah so let us know what you guys thought of this uh different format and if you you liked it give us a thumbs up and uh, all that good stuff so anyway uh thanks for watching and we'll see you again next time cheers